the keyboard, please. Let's have the song. I'm a new creation, no longer in condemnation. And here in the grace of God, I stand. Let the drummer, please. I want us to sing this song as a song of commitment we have just prayed now. And God will give us the grace to be faithful to the very hand. Romeo. I am a new creation. No more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God I stand. My heart is overflowing. My love just keeps on growing. Here in the grace of God I stand. I will praise you, Lord. Yes, I will praise you, Lord. And I will sing of all that you have done. A joy that knows no limit, a likeness in my spirit. Yeah, in the grace of God I stand. And I will praise, and I will, I will praise, praise you, Lord. Yes, I will, I will praise, praise you, Lord. And I will sing of all that you have done. Oh, Lord. A joy that knows no limit, a likeness in my spirit. Father, we thank you. It's indeed in your grace that we stand. <laughs> if God were to mark iniquity, the Bible says, who will stand? We stand in your grace, and that is our confidence that your grace will see us through. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Your grace will be more than sufficient for us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray that you help us not to abuse that grace. Help us not to abuse that grace. Shall we continue in seeing that grace may have found? Lord, we receive grace not to abuse the grace that you have given us in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Please you can have your seat. We'll be meditating today on the topic that God gave after a lot of struggle. That God, why this at this time? And the more I try to change this topic, the more God confirmed that, go tell my people this. And the topic is consequences of sin. Consequences of sin. This child, by the grace of God, went through and is in 
a wonderful time after that glorious achievement of the 30th anniversary. The outstanding success that even everyone knows that yes, my people have achieved something great. Just like Pastor said, we're still receiving calls, emails, texts that it was wonderful. However, this is also a critical time for this church because the devil is not happy. The devil is not happy and so is waiting for opportunity to strike like he has done times without number in the history of mankind. So God has decided to warn us as a church. Everything I'm going to be saying here on this altar today talks to me first before anyone here. God has decided to warn us individually and as a church. In the Bible, there are two major events that happened. And the two of them have similarities. After the event and before the event. The first event, you find it in Genesis 3, 1 to 10. And the second event is in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. And those are going to be our text. Both happened after great and wonderful demonstration of the power of God. Wonderful demonstration of the power of God. Both happened and immediately the devil struck. By using his strategy for deceiving men to disobey God's instruction, so that God will have no option but to administer his punishment. And of course, these two events resulted in immediate severe consequences administered to the people that committed the sin. Remember, after great visitation of God. So God is saying to us as a church, as individual, there's no church without all of us individually coming together. So God is saying to you and to me that my people be warned. Stay alert, be sober, and be vigilant. First Peter 5.8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom 
Eve may devour. I pray that none of us shall fall to the deceit of the devil in Jesus' name. Let's go to the first event. We start from Genesis 2, 22 to 25. After God created the whole world and he gave man the go-ahead to take charge, to dominate, to be fruitful, to be in charge of everything. We saw in Genesis 2, 22 to 25, the great celebration of brother Adam and sister Eve marriage ceremony. With God being the officiating minister. God himself was the officiating minister in that wedding. You can imagine how glorious that celebration was. No wonder Adam said, wow, this is the one I've been waiting for. Everything was perfect and glorious. Adam was swimming in the pool of love, in the pool of glory. And Eve was excitedly beautiful. But remember, the devil never liked anything good. In verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were both naked in the perfect way God created them. And they were not ashamed. But the devil was never happy. So let's go to Genesis 3, 1 to 10. I'll quickly read it from New King James Version. New King James Version. Genesis 3, 1 to 10. Now the serpent, that's the devil. I want you to look at this story and follow it through. For you to see the deceit of the devil. The devil is more experienced than any one of us here. Did you hear that? He's older than any one of us. In fact, it's his spirit. It's not with flesh and blood. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the feet which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it. Did God say that? No. God never said you shall not touch it. You know why? She was already getting tempted to even touch. Lest you die. Yes, God said, lest you die. According to Genesis 2, 16 to 17. God said, if you touch this tree, you shall die. In verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. Did you see something there? God said, you shall die. The devil said, you will not die. There is no true way about it. It is completely positive and negative. God said you shall die. The devil said you shall not die. That was enough for Sister Heath to run. 
For God knows, verse 5, that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw <laughs> that the tree was good for food, you see that? She knows that tree. Probably she must have been going to the tree every day. Say, this tree, God said we should not eat it. She must be telling Adam, Adam, don't even get tempted to eat this tree. And Adam will tell Eve, please don't even touch this tree. And probably they must have argued, no, God never said we should not touch. And Eve said, no, I can't touch, I can feel it. I can feel the fruit. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and look at how she described it, that it was pleasant to the eyes. Step two. And the tree desired to make one wise. <laughs> Are you seeing something? She took of it from an age. She also gave to her husband with her. And he ate. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. The beginning of the consequence. And they sealed thick leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Remember verse 25. Both were naked, and they were not ashamed. Even before God declared the punishment, the punishment already what? Started. Our God is a principled God who never make mistake. And it does not give any room for any man to fault or blame him. Many of you will have said, but why did God even put the tree in the garden? Have we ever asked, why did God tell them not to touch it? Have we ever asked that question? Why did God leave them in, in the place? I said, I will make sure these guys, they hit this tree and become dead. God told them, don't touch this tree. From the beginning, God created everything perfect and put man in control. Genesis 2.9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow everything. Genesis 2.9. Genesis 2.9. Every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also. So in that garden, was there a tree of life? Are you with me? The tree of life also. In the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Both trees were in that garden. And God told them, please my son, don't touch this tree. Every other tree you may touch. How do I know? In Genesis 2, 
16 to 17, God gave them a clear instruction. Very clear, and today is still giving clear instruction with condition to be able to obey. You see, God gave them an instruction, and he gave them the passing mark. It was a test. And he gave them the passing mark. The passing mark, what? You can touch every other tree, but please don't touch this. In verse 16 to 17, Genesis 2, 16 to 17. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of the tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Does that include the tree of life? Does it include the tree of life? I need you to get to get this point. See, of the tree you can freely eat, including the tree of life. Verse 17. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. I could imagine God put that tree only in one place. Very clear, conspicuous, that they cannot even make mistakes. Oh, probably you wanted to plug this, and we mistakenly plug this. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt die. Was that instruction clear enough or not? You touch it, you die. Do you know what really happened? God's intention was to prevent man from mistakenly eating the tree of good and evil, which is also tagged the tree of death. God wanted to prevent man from making that mistake. Like the devil made the mistake of saying he wanted to be like God. God planned it. He set the exam and he gave them the passing mark. Don't touch this. God, however, gave them the free hand. Go and be eating all the other trees until you will eat the tree of life. Only that I will not tell you the tree of life. Once you eat it, you live forever. Did you hear that? In verse 22, for you to see the original intention of God. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever in sin and sickness for the rest of his life. They lost the opportunity. If you have ever questioned, but why did God even create the tree? See, today, the same thing is still happening. See, I have given you free. You have access to everything. But this, you don't. Do you know the truth is, the devil has not changed his strategy for tempting mankind to disobey God. For no, our God is too holy to behold sin. All they needed to do is to make a believer commit sin. And you don't need to fast and pray. The punishment comes. Devil will not stop you from praising God. He will stop you from coming to church. Get that. He will stop you from doing anything you feel is good, is cool. 
but it will ensure you go and do what will make God to be angry with you. He has tried this many times. When Israel were going, and that king felt, oh, Balak, how do I make these people, how do I get these people? God loves these people so much. The man said, he went to hire a man of God to go cause them. That did not work. What did he do? He went to send girls amidst the men. He said, go and lure them to sin. Once they sin, the anger of God will come. Did the anger come or not? The devil is a master deceiver. So please don't be deceived. John 8, 4, 8 44 says, From the beginning is the father of liars. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not but to steal. What does he come to steal? He's come to steal your testimony. The wonderful time we had in the presence of God, 30th anniversary. The thief cometh but to kill, to kill your salvation. He cometh but to destroy. What is it? To destroy your faith. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Regretfully, and this is a pain in the heart of God, man continually falls easily to the deceit of the devil from beginning up to now. In fact, the fall is even more in this type of grace because men have mistakenly taken the freedom to mean we can do anything. Adam and Eve, for example, they were busy hiding the forbidden tree instead of finding their way to eat. I'm sure by the time they ate that tree of death, they have not probably eaten 10% of the tree in the garden. And probably God planned that by the time they get to 11%, they will get to the tree of life. But here were brother Adam and Eve, busy hiding what? The tree of death. Can you explain that? Don't pick only this. It's like somebody saying, you can go anywhere in this hall, but please don't come to this place. Is that difficult to keep? If you want to jump, you want to do anything, will this thing disturb you in this building? Similarly, we human beings, including believers, we easily practice the work of flesh, 17 of them. And at the end, when you read Galatians 5, 19 to 23, it says, and such like, which means the work of flesh, sin is endless. The list is what? Endless. We are easily attracted to those ones than practicing the nine fruit of the Spirit. How many fruit of the Spirit? Nine. In Galatians 5, 22, only nine. But we are busy running after and falling into the 17 plots. Has the devil changed? Talk to me. Has the devil changed? 
The truth is, if Adam could fall, the man that got the original bread, and the Bible says, and the Lord bread unto him, and he received life. God bread unto Adam, if he could fall. <laughs> we must therefore, and however remember, that as a born again child of God, we have been regenerated. We have been delivered. And God has given us the grace and power to know, to know and never to fall to the deceit of the devil. In 1 John 3.8 And he committed sin and he that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God, that is Jesus, was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus gave us the assurance as believers of dominion over sin. And of course, he gave us the power to say no to sin. In Romans 6.14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Jesus showed us the perfect example. He came in the nature of man. Every emotion you could ever imagine, Jesus went through it. So don't be deceived. Oh, Jesus came. No, he, was, he did not come as a man. Jesus ate. He felt hungry. He felt pain. When they were beating him, he was feeling what? Pain. Blood was coming out. He had compassion. He even wept. But he showed us the perfect example. Hebrews 4.15 For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all point tempted as what? Tempted as what? So Jesus did not go to any special temptation. Just like you are. But what happened? Yet without sin. And thank be to Jesus. In John 14, 12, he promised us that I did it, you can do it also. I was able to keep myself holy, you too can do it. For I said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, it that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he also do. Yes, it's not only the exploit. We want to raise the dead. We want to heal the sick. We want to preach the gospel. But also we want to be like him. Let this man be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said you will do what he did and even do more. Probably why Jesus said that. That the temptation Jesus faced, no, then probably there was no pornography then, you know. It was, Jesus never faced pornography. He never faced all the b-balls. So, okay, you would, the one I did, you would do, and you know in Israel in those days, people don't wear spaghetti. Everybody, they cover their face. And you know, so Jesus said, the one I did, you would do, and it didn't stop. You even do what? More. Unfortunately, many believers 
are falling from grace. And I pray, when I was preparing this message, as any, any message I've, I prayed and I wept and I asked God for, for grace. It's one, it's one of, the, of those messages. It may be because of someone. But please, when you hear the warning of God, heed to his one. Many are falling. Why? Because of disobedience, carelessness, compromise, backsliding, and complacency. Now, let's go to the second text. You know, you said that well, that was before Jesus Christ came. It was in the time of uh, law. Adam probably was not in grace. Jesus said, of all the people in the old, in the old, 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 old universe, yeah, that everyone after John the Baptist, they are what? They are different. So we have a unique grace. But let's go to the New Testament. The early church experienced what we call a great revival, a great celebration of Pentecost. Commotion everywhere. The whole world, 3,000 people getting saved. They went to the, to the authority. Peter said, Must we shut your, our mouth because you said it? No, we care not what you want to do. Peter was going, he got to the temple. He saw a man sick, could not walk. He said, I don't have money, but such as I have, rise up and walk. A miracle was happening. And not to, did not stop there. There was perfect demonstration of love in the church. Unity among believers. Raw love of God. In Acts 4, 33 to 35, you see what we call the wonderful doings of God happening amidst believers. Acts 4, 33 to 35, and with great power gave the apostle witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. 34, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessor of lands or houses, their investment, their investment, they sold them and brought the prices to the, of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he needed. Can you beat that? <laughs> like I said yesterday in the prayer meeting. If pastor said today, all of you, all your investment in UK, in US, in Nigeria, in India, go sell hall so that we can give Omani money for their economy. Now we show that we are. Will you even do that? <laughs> but these people, they sold their investment for you to know the level of their commitment for God. The level of their love for God and love for that because Jesus said, Love the Lord thy God and love your fellow brethren. So, in demonstration of the love, they sold their investment, their houses, their lands. In those days, I don't know, no, they don't trade in stocks, in funds, but at least one of their investments was what? Houses and lands. They sold it to give to believers. But look at again. The devil was not happy of what was happening. What did he do? 
Just in the midst of that great visitation, the devil struck again, deceiving yet another couple. Mm, Holy Spirit. Deceiving who? Deceiving who? From the beginning, who did he deceive? A couple. Again, a couple. Let's go to Acts 5, 1 to 11. Acts 5, 1 to 11. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and cut back part of the prize, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'm reading New King James Version. Verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back the part of the price of the land? He was obedient. He's so part of it. But the devil said, don't give her. Like you all agree to give her. And verse 4. While it remained, was it not thy home? And after it was sold, was it not in thy own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart, that thou, not, thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? Do you know something there? They were not coerced to do it. Peter said, it is voluntary. You still want to be a believer, but you don't want to sell your investment. You are still a child of God. They were not forced. They gave it willingly. Peter said, was it not in your power? If you sell it, you don't want to bring it. But you say you are bringing and you are saying it is everything, 100%. No, you are lying against the Holy Ghost. Verse 5. And Ananias, hearing this word, fell down and gave up the ghost. He died. Hmm. And great fear came on all them that had these things. And the young men arose, wind him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the same space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Conspiracy. Please, the race to heaven is individual. Don't compromise with your spouse to disobey God. The race to heaven is individual. The Bible says two shall be on the bed, I believe. One shall be taken, the other left. What do you think what is God saying? Couple. Then Peter said unto her, verse 9, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold the feet of them which buried their husband at the door, and thou shalt, they shall carry thee out. And verse 11, And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. God is giving this warning to us today. And I pray with weeping in my heart 
that none of us will fall in the name of Jesus. We must not wait until the devil struck before we commit to serve God with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12 Say, walk out of salvation with fear and trembling. For Ananias and Sapphira, it was just a lie. They just told a lie. Very small lie. How much did you sell it? Which money have you brought? 100% or 50%? 100%. And that was it. They never committed adultery. They did not murder. They did not murder. They did not commit those sins you classify as big sins. The question now to us, the people in the time of grace, do you still tell lies? Are you corrupt? Are you fraudulent? Are you dishonest? Are you crafty? Do you join them to conspire in your office? Join them to do something that we should not be mentioned among believers? You know the truth? We are in the generation where the truth is becoming very hard to say. The biblical truth are being normalized. Things that are not supposed to be, our world is making it to be what? Normal. Proverbs 12, 22 say, Lying leaves an abomination to the Lord. Lying leaves are what? Abomination to the Lord. Do you still have lies in your life that you are still covering? Is there restitution you are yet to make? Restitution of forgery, of impersonation, of false witness. You are not a believer. Have you restituted your ways? You gave a false witness against somebody and the person is still going through the punishment or the consequences of the punishment. And you say, I'm not born again. All things have become new. Yes? But have you restituted your way? Is your conscience clear? Before God and man. Bread of life, we are warned to lay aside every sin that the Bible calls secret sin. Sin that usually comes from our personal weakness that we have refused to deal with. And we are almost saying, well, it is normal. Just like Judas Iscariot. He had been stealing the money. Stealing the money. And nothing happened. And before you know it, the devil pushed him to go do what he should not do. And that was his end. Hebrews 12.1 Hebrews 12.1 says, We are foreseen, we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. When you go to New Living Translation, it says, let us strip off every weight that slow us down. Many of us, today you are up. By the time you commit the sin, you say, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you come back again. You still go back to it. 
It's a sin that easily slow us down. Especially the sin that so easily trip us up. And let us run. And when you go to the message, the message called, you know what the message called? The message translation called this type of sin? It's a parasitic sin. People that, and the medical term. Now I went to the, to, 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 to the internet. And I said, what does it mean, parasitic sin? I'll read this for you. They are small, that is what parasite is. They are small and enter their host body without being detected. They may release their anesthetizing secretion that prevent the host from recognizing it is under attack. Parasitic sin. They are able to survive outside their host for lengthy time possible. Does that look at the sin you are committing? We have to watch out for parasitic sin. The sin of anger. Remember, it truncated the destiny of Moses, the great man of God, that God talked with about to mouth. Anger truncated the destiny of Moses. Envy and jealousy, that was what destroyed Cain. Cain was meant to be a great man to fulfill destiny. But because of envy and jealousy, his destiny was destroyed. Pride and arrogance, that was what made the devil to be sent to this world. King Saul, what made him to fall? Arrogance and pride. Too much comfort, slumberness, lukewarmness, backsliding, lateness and deliberate absence from church. Lateness to church and deliberate absence from church. How do I know? When King David fell, go and read it in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 11. It said, at a time when king, and who was the king? David. At a time when king ought to be at war, David sent Joab instead for him to go. Do you see it? Lateness and deliberate absence from church. And you know what? That was what stained the testimony of David. You know, it would be if God is so perfect. If there was, if we were to be now that we are writing Bible. I'm sure they will remove that chapter. That no, David never committed sin because he was a man. After what? God's heart. But it was put there. Many of us, our own secret sin is backbiting, malice, unforgiveness, bitterness, jesting, evil speaking, filthy communications. And I tell you, these have sent many to hell. Many are in hell today because of this. Many of us, our own secret sin is the love of the world. Greediness, materialism, ungodly association, inordinate affection, pornography, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are shipwreck the faith of many giants in faith. Them, as the Bible says, was in the company of Paul. 
But in 2 Timothy 4.10, the Bible says, For them as has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed, departed to Thessalonica. And in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the heart, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. And many other sins that we commit. Now let me show you one mystery. In the Old Testament, we have only just keep ten commandments. At least, you know these are ten commandments. But in the New Testament, we have what we call ten commandments plus plus. Why? Because... In James 4.17, say, therefore, James 4.17, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? So if the Holy Spirit tells you that Lacon, this is a sin, if I do it, it's a sin to me. If the Holy Spirit convicts you that this thing you are doing is a sin, and you see, no, where is it written in the Bible? No, forget it. And you see, continue to do it. If the Holy Spirit said, don't wear that clothes. And you wear the clothes. What is it to you? A sin. We are called not only to love righteousness, to love holiness, but also to hate iniquity. Hebrews 1 9. Now let's go quickly, go through these two parts, two, two breakdowns. And we close. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I believe the Holy Spirit has given you the message. Consequences of sin. We know them all. I'll just go through it. And we know the ultimate consequence anyway. Genesis 3.10. The first consequence. Fear. Especially fear of death. You know, I've said this thing over and over again. If you are still afraid of death. It's because what? You are still living in sin. Fear, and of course, every other thing that, uh, that fear is related to. Losses, failure, poverty, punishment, lack of peace. Those are the first category. When Adam sinned, Genesis 3.10, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So if you are still afraid, go and check yourself. Your holiness is not yet 100%. If you are still afraid of death, your holiness is not 100%. Number two, consequence of sin, nakedness, which represents shame. The Bible says, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Because I was naked, that represents shame, guilt, ridicule, pain, and sorrow. And that was the type that Apostle Peter had after he betrayed Jesus. Number three, earthly separation from God. Earthly separation from God, which is synonymous to lukewarmness and eventually backsliding. Adam and Eve were banished from the presence of God. In fact, they were the ones that said it. Said, so, I heard your voice in the garden. 
I was afraid because I am naked and I hid myself. Separation from God. When you read Genesis 3, 23 to 25, you see something there. The Bible says, and so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden, Eden, cherubim and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. <laughs> you know what that means? Each time you are living in sin, you are separated from the blessing of God. You are separated from everything that makes that pertain to life and godliness. And what happened at that time? The devil will unleash everything on you. Revelation 3.16 So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or not, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Earthly separation from God. Number four, unanswered prayers and sicknesses. Consequences of sin. Many of us are actually sick because of sin we are committing. Psalm 66, verse 11. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 66, verse 18. I beg your pardon. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear you. You can pray from now till tomorrow. If you are living in sin, the prayer will not be answered. And if you read James 5, 16, he said, is any man, verse 14, is any sick among you? Now, when you get to the end, because of our time, verse 16 said, confess your fault one to another and pray for one another, then ye may be healed. Which means there are people sick today, not because of any other thing, but because of what? Sickness. Because of sin. And number five, spiritual death and physical death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 6.23 Remember that when Adam and Eve sinned, the, consequence, the immediate consequence was what? Spiritual death. But when Ananias and Sapphira sinned, what was the immediate consequence? Spiritual death and physical death. So which one is even better? The time of grace or the time of law? Number six, removal of your name from the book of life and eventually eternal separation from God. When you sin, I'll tell you this. Let's go to Exodus 32, 31 to 33 for you to know what happened each time you commit sin. Each time you commit sin, see what happened. Exodus 32, 31 to 33. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin. And have made for themselves a God of gold. 32. Yet now I will forgive their sin. But if not, yet now, if you will forgive their sin, that is Moses pleading, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. What is that? The book of life. And look at what God said in verse 33. For you to be afraid, he tells you want to sin. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Did you hear that? You say, I'm born again, but you are living in sin. Is your name in the book of life? Whoever commits sin, I will blot him. I will remove his name from the book of life. 
or you are claiming you are born again and you are still committing sin. Is your name in the book of life? No. And also when you get them, you can read Galatians 5, 19 to 23 and Revelation 21, 8. Now the final part of our teaching today, how do we ensure we do not fall into this deceit of the devil? How do I ensure that I don't fall to this deceit of the devil? I've told you, the devil is not happy. That you are succeeding, everything is looking glorious, the devil is angry. The Bible says, he walked to and fro, looking for who? Who to devour. Which means, what are the strategies for you to live a holy life and remain rapturable? That's the essence. How do I ensure I don't fall to the deceit of the devil? Because each time you fall to his deceit, your name is removed from the book of life. So if Christ comes, hell. Number one, submit to the Holy Spirit and rely on him to help you overcome the devil and his deceit. James 4, 7 to 8 says, Submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil and he will fail. You have to submit to the Holy Spirit to help you. Now look at verse 8. It says, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands. You see why I said you should submit? Ye sinners, and purify your heart, ye double-minded. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Don't be ruled by the devil. Give Holy Spirit, the complete control of every area of your life, your thought, your decision, your imagination. In Romans 8 9, Romans 8 9, if you read the New Living Translation, Romans 8 9, say, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit. Please let me tell your neighbor, be controlled by the Spirit and not the devil. That is all. If you can't, will Holy Spirit tell you to go and commit sin? Will he say that? Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Number two, receive the devil by fleeing all appearances of evil. Say, submit yourself to God. Receive the devil and he will flee. How do you receive the devil? The man that is experienced more than you and I. That is cunning more than you and I. The man that got the great man, man, David. The man that got the great man, the man, the father of faith. Who is that? Abraham. He got him. He got Abraham. So how do you submit? You run from sin. First Thessalonians 5.22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Do not entertain discussion with the devil in form of ungodly thoughts, ungodly desires, ungodly look, ungodly relationship. Many of us, we are in a relationship that is killing us, killing our salvation. You are in a relationship where you, you go with people that you, when you're supposed to be in church, that is when you go with them for meetings. That's when they send you to go and do something. That is when you go with them for picnic. And you are supposed to be in the house of God. Give the devil no room in your life. Remember, he is a master schemer. You can't beat the devil. Don't deceive yourself. 
if he could attempt to, if, if he could tempt Jesus, who are you for him not to tempt you? He got Judas Iscariot, the man that it was Jesus himself that empowered Judas Iscariot. He lay out on the sick and they were delivered. He was part of the people sent out. Did the devil get him or not? Yes, he did. Do not be careless with your salvation. Give no room for compromise. And number three, how to ensure you don't fall to the seat of the devil. Repent and confess all your known sin. Everything the Holy Spirit reveals to you is a sin you have committed. Don't hide your sin. Repent and confess them unto him. Hmm. And when do you do that? Immediately and genuinely. The moment the Holy Spirit said, this is sin, what do you do? Confess it immediately and genuinely. In Psalm 90 verse 8, New Living Translation, say, you spread out our sins before you. New Living Translation, our secret sin, you see them all. <laughs> our secret sin, what? God sees them all. You know, pastor may not see your sin. We may not see it. It's not written. We don't know what to do. But God sees you. When Ananias and Sapphira were coming to church on that day, they must have worn suit like me. And their face were very bright. And I say, brother, how are you? God bless you. God bless you, brother. How are you? God bless you. All is well, well. Deceiving themselves. But they were not spared. <laughs> Follow the strategy of Peter and David to repent and confess your sin. When you get them, you read Matthew 26, 75. The Bible said, Peter wept bitterly. When he realized he has betrayed Jesus, he wept bitterly. That is godly sorrow and true repentance. When you go to, go to Psalm, 2 Samuel 12, 13, you see what David did. The moment Nathan said, David, you are the one that committed the sin. David said, God, forgive me, I'm sorry. And David expressed that in Psalm 51. When you get to go and, go and read it. David said, I acknowledge my, my transgression. In verse 3. I'm not hiding it, God. I know I've, I committed this sin. I acknowledge my transgression. And in verse 7, he said, God, please purge me with Aesop. And I shall be clean. Wash me. And I will be whiter than snow. And in verse 10, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. The man after God's heart. <laughs> and in verse 11, he said, Please God, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Which means I can say David was passing through hardship during this time. The joy was gone. The peace was gone. He was afraid. But never knew it was because of the sin. I pray God will reveal that sin that will take you to hell you have been committing. God will reveal it unto you by his mercy in the name of Jesus. You say, why did I pray that prayer? David never knew it was a sin. It was God that reminded him. Okay? 
Then after you have repented and confessed it, please don't do like Judas Iscariot, who went to war with God on godly sorrow and fake repentance. At the end, what did he do? He hung himself. Do what we call the true repentance that follows godly sorrow. And how do you do that? In Hebrews 10, 17, say, and their sins and iniquity will I remember no more. Once you confess it genuinely, believe and have faith that you are forgiven. Then you can sing that first song we sang, that there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And in Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsake them shall have mercy. Please do not hide your sin. Confess it and get out of it and get ready forever. And number four, do everything not to fall again to the sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. That you have committed the sin once, you say, God, I'm sorry. And God says, okay, you can go. Don't take it as liberty that you can commit it again and again. <laughs> That's a limit. John 8, 11, that adulterous woman that was brought to Jesus, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said, Jesus said, is there any one of you accused that is here? The woman said, no, neither do I condemn thee. Jesus said, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 to 13, say, wherefore let him that thinketh he stand, take it lest he fall. Don't think you are standing. Why? If you read verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but sought at his common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able to bear. God will not make you go to temptation that will fall you. It is you that choose to fall. Don't blame it on God. Don't even blame it, blame it on the devil. God has given you power to overcome him. You fall to sin, don't blame the devil, please. It is you. And you need to fight to deliver yourself by repenting, confessing, and running away from sin. Make no room for sin. Hebrews 10, 26. Say, for if we sin willfully, you say, I will commit the sin, and I will come and say, sorry. Who told you when you are committing it, Jesus Christ will not come, or you will not be dead? If we sin willfully after we have received it and acknowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Let's be on our feet. Second Timothy 2.19. Please, let's have it. Second Timothy 2.19. We'll read this together and we'll round up. Second Timothy 2.19, please. Are we there? Second Timothy 2.19. Let's read it. Want to go. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are east. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Is this talking of unbelievers? Talking of unbelievers? You name Christ, you say you are born again. Depart from iniquity. Please eat to God's word in this morning. I beg you, if I can prostrate here, because no, we, it's not a joy. It was not with joy that Peter had to bury his member. 
Please, I plead with you. Eat God's warning. Do not take the mercy of God for granted. Stop joking with fire. The Bible says, Well, God is a consuming fire. Stop your secret sin before it stops you. Stop it before it stops you. Jesus. Every has bow. I want all of us to bow our heads. You know you are committing secret sins. God is asking you to ask for forgiveness. I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you can confess it now, the Lord will forgive you. You know you are living in sin and you claim to be a child of God. Confess that sin now. The mercy of God is still available for you. He said he will forgive you. Thank you, Jesus. Don't take the silence of God as approval for you to continue in your sin. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Even as you remain in an attitude of prayer, Just think about what we have just heard. God does not warn us because he has nothing better to do. God wants you and me because he loves you and me. Just think about that. Your life on this earth is 70 years according to the Bible. Maybe 10 extra. But beyond that is actual life. Where are you going to spend it? Are you giving up on those years by a little pleasure of sin now? The Bible tells us that the consequence of sin is death. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And it continues, I will read. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. That's what the word of the God says. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. We need to resist the devil. But the question that comes is, how do we resist this devil who has lived longer than you and me? The answer is very simple. Turn to the one who has lived longer than the devil. 
and that is God. Just turn to God. Forsake sin. Forsake the pleasures of sin. Because in sin is death. Thank the Lord for he has spoken to us today. Thank him. He has spoken because he loves us. And he does not want any person in this auditorium today to face hellfire. If you love God, talk to him. If I love God, let me talk to him. Let's keep the prayer of Paul that he wrote in Romans 6.14 as our own. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Father God, we just want to say thank you, Lord Father. Father God, so often we have fallen away, Lord Father, because we have been tempted by the lust of our eyes, the lust of flesh, Lord. And Father God, we just don't want that anymore. We do not even want to think of the consequence, Lord Father. The hellfire that awaits those who are separated from you by sin. Father God, our desire is that we need to live lives that are holy, righteous, acceptable unto you, Lord. That when the day comes when we have to be in your presence, we will truly be in your presence, Lord. Not to be judged, but to stand with you, Lord Father. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that today you have spoken to us. You have reminded us that life is not just about living, but is living it correctly, righteously, in holiness, focusing on you and doing that which you want us to do. Father God, I pray, Lord, that every one of us here will heed your call. Where there is sin, I pray, Lord, that we will turn it over to you, Lord, and say, make us clean, as white as snow. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for your servant whom you have used this day, Lord Father, for bringing us this eternal truth through him this, this afternoon, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to anoint him, Lord, as he brings greater truths to us, Lord. Father, bless him and his family. And may they continue to serve you all the days of their lives, Lord Father. We thank you. We praise you. Father, I commit every one of us into your hands, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that that seed which you have planted this day, Lord Father, shall not just be buried, but shall truly bear fruit, Lord. We give glory to you. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Let's move out. It's past two, so we need to make way for the next church. So let's keep moving out.